One of the best things anybody's ever said to me is that healing is not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. Welcome to the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your host, Raj Jana, founder of Liberate, and it's my mission to help you become the most grounded, loving, and authentic version of yourself that you can be. Each week, I interview experts in the fields of mindset, spirituality, and emotional well-being. My brilliant guests share their tools, stories, and unique perspectives to help you develop the skills you need to show up fully for the people and things that matter most in your life. Now let's dive in. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded with my new friend, Miss Sara Spears. So I met Sara in Nosara, and we dropped in pretty fast on all things healing, psychology. I mean, Sara is a brilliant, intuitive, powerful uh, practitioner of many modalities. She's an EFT practitioner, she's a certified Reiki master. She's a licensed psychotherapist. She's an eating psychology coach. And most importantly, she's a master of the mind-body connection, specifically when it comes to healing eating disorders. Um, She goes deep into this week's episode around breaking her own eating disorders and how she used emotional release techniques to get to the underlying root causes behind why she had an eating disorder in the first place. And we've talked a lot about how different symptoms that we might try to mask with medication or just simple tools, when you actually peek underneath them, there's, um, there's a mountain of reasoning why you're engaging in different types of cycles of self-sabotage or cycles of emotional eating or abuse. And what I also found most empowering about this episode is that Sara brilliantly shares how just learning to feel your feelings, express your anger, using different techniques to release emotion from the body can have such profound lasting impacts on your behaviors, on your addictions, on your ability to go from, if you want to call it a disorder, into freedom. It was a beautiful conversation. It was fully flow. Um, Yeah, I just really adore Sarah and her ability to articulate uh, the journey of healing in such a practical way, especially when it comes to things like food and being able to tie food to emotions and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Thank you for being along for the ride and for giving Sarah and I both the gift of your attention. We do not take that for granted. And without further ado, here is the dearest Sarah Spears. Enjoy. Sarah, hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to to be here. Yeah, me too. Great. Um, (laughs) um, So this conversation is on the back end of a super deep conversation we had yesterday on healing, expansion, growth, synchronicities, and you have one of the most fascinating combination of life stories, backgrounds, skill sets. And I am super curious 
What began the awakening? If we go back in time to when I was 25, I had moved to San Diego, California from the East Coast and was on this mission to be the healthiest version of myself and the best me I could be, which led me down this path of extreme dieting. And very quickly, I developed a severe eating disorder and struggled for six months with very intense bulimia. And then that lasted for five years. And so in the depths of the suffering and struggle with that eating disorder, I really vowed to find a way to heal myself and made this commitment to God that I was going to do whatever it took to figure out the path to healing so that I could commit my life to helping other people heal because I never wanted anyone to suffer and struggle the way that I was during that time in my life. When you say commitment to God, what does that mean? It was sort of like the plea for help. God, please help me. Show me the way. Put the people in my path, the processes and tools for healing that are going to allow me to experience freedom from this. And in exchange for your help, I will will give you my my hands, my heart to be of service in this way. Did you know that's what was going to happen when you were in the middle of all this? A part of me knew, which is why I'm here right now talking about it, because there was this greater awareness and intelligence that knew I was going to get on the other side of it. And I had even this wisdom while I was going through my journey to document it, to write down everything that I was experiencing, because I knew one day I'm going to write a book that shares people the path that I took and how I got here, and I'm going to use that to create the map to help others with healing, and that's what I've used to create the processes that I use and the programs that now have helped hundreds of other people on their healing path. Wow. That's, I really want to like unpack that. Cause I think there's, I meet a lot of people that are on healing journeys and specifically most recently cancer patients. And I just see a lot of them. And I do notice that there are some that have this belief system or they have some type of a spark of awareness. That's like, I'm going to make it through this. And it, and there's like a seed that just feeds or there's a fuel that's feeding a fire and then others that just feel so unconscious to that and they can be brought into awareness of it. But why do you think certain people have that awareness and certain people don't? I don't know that answer yet. I just know that it's a matter of really listening. I think everybody has the part within them that's trying to get their attention or is sending them sparks or signs or signals. But if that person isn't open and receptive, isn't listening, then they're just going to miss it. What might be an example of a spark or a signal or... And the reason I'm asking is because I think I'm big on kind of like demystifying some of these like like the spiritual things. Cause I think there's so many people out there that actually are hearing the messages, but because it's not showing up in the form of a vision or it's not showing up in the form of this like loud noise or this big sign in front of them, they miss it. But it could be in the form of somebody in your life, literally knocking on your door. It could be in the form of a challenge you're experiencing. It could be in the form of a relationship struggle that you just can't see 
because you're so in it. And so I'm like, I think that's why I'm, I'm wanting to broaden that, that, that idea of, of a knowing or an intuitive spark into something that's broader. So if you have anything you can add to that, that'd be helpful. The first thought I had in terms of an example of maybe science is the simplest example is when people will recommend a book. And I've had a lot of clients will say that. I'll say, oh, have you heard of this person or this book? And they'll, they'll say, yeah, you're the second person who's like mentioned that this week. And so you'll start to, if you're really listening, notice that just through casual conversation or a sign on a bulletin board or an ad on Instagram that there'll be this recurring theme that might show up or name or book. And so there'll be very small recurring themes or words or people that keep showing up that to me are potentially revealing to you. It's like the puzzle piece or you're on a treasure hunt. It's like the next clue on a path to finding the treasure And I think for some people, this was true for me. There's this moment where you just have to believe that this isn't happening just because that there's meaning and purpose behind struggle and hardship and that these are opportunities for growth. And for me on a bigger level for soul growth and the lessons of the soul. So when we can start to see there's maybe medicine in this for me, it can really reveal the sweetness in the suffering. Mm. You said a lot in there that I'm like choosing which direction I want to go right now. Um, one beautiful example of a synchronicity, repeated books. And I'm curious how have synchronicities kind of just, now that you have this awareness like, do you feel like you're paying attention to specific synchronicities and symbols, or are you just kind of like open and receptive to anything that repeats itself more than once? I try to be open and receptive yeah. to, to anything. Because if we define how it's going to come or what it's going to look like, then we limit what's actually possible. Yeah. 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 What's the difference between growth and soul growth? I think the personality, the human ego's growth is focused on achievements and success and, you know, trying to get money or maybe a certain grade or reward. And it's very focused on those sorts of achievements, whereas the soul's growth and evolution isn't focused on those sorts of things at all. It cares about learning how to love, learning how to forgive, learning how to live from a place of compassion. And so the goal of my ego was to be as healthy as I could and to have the perfect body. But that actually led me to really harming myself and being sick spiritually. And then the goal of my soul was to transcend that and be able to realize I'm not a body and how my body looks doesn't define my worth and that I'm way more divine than just the physical human. So it, afforded me the opportunity to learn the truth of who I am in a way that maybe I wouldn't have been challenged to learn had I not been going through this challenge. And how did that change your relationship to your body? I, I was going to say I don't care, which isn't actually true. I love my body, but the love is not conditional. I don't love my body because it looks a certain way. I don't love my body because of what it does for me. I love my body because it is the vessel that allows my soul to have this incredible human experience. 
And I try to just live in awe and wonder for how the body functions. Because when you really sit with everything it actually does for us, it's pretty mind-blowing how we're here right now. Well, what's fascinating, though, is that when you get to that point, you also look the best. 100%. So, so this is the thing that was... It's it's almost like that, you know, adage like, you know, if you want something so bad, let go of the attachment to having it. Because the second you do, you actually get what you want or the thing morphs to meet you because it's not conditional anymore. It's unconditional and there's like this beautiful frequency and I've been noticing that with my body. Like I as I've let go of the need to work out just all the fucking time or to do anything to push or limit or structure or shape or mold. It's like I can actually live my life easier. I can eat the cake. I can do the things and be fine because I'm not living in a state of like distress with myself. Absolutely. Like alignment is the greatest health hack there is. I agree. And the stress that we create trying to force our body to be a certain way actually inhibits that from happening. Totally. The negative thinking that creates negative energy in the body that actually often causes the body to hold energetically or physically weight, emotional baggage, all of these things stem from, from where are we viewing ourselves and from where are our choices being made. Mm. So I always tell my clients, if you're you know, trying to make your body change from a place of I hate myself and I need to change in order to be worthy of receiving love or having good things in my life, you're never going to get there. But the moment you switch to I love myself and I deserve to feel good and I'm going to take care of myself from that place of love, then the body always responds immediately. And you don't have to go on any crazy diet or do anything extreme to begin to see that change. It starts with within. It's that internal shift. And from that place, the physical reality, including your body, will start to respond. Mm. And the radiance that you start to emit and the like youthfulness that you start to have, that all comes from the inner work. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Like, I, <laughs> I've been noticing that more and more just self-love is the greatest biohack. I mean, there's so many biohacks that, like, I've actually really been connecting to just anything that creates a frequency of fear when we can do the work to resolve it you literally are it's the greatest biohack like the biggest biohack i think probably is shifting our relationship to death like if i really had to get real it's like if it's just coming back to this whole thing why do we want to stay in shape why do we want to eat well like yeah it's to look great all that but ultimately underneath it all is so that we don't die but when we just shift our relationship to dying, it's almost like the body can start to heal. And start living. And start living. And it's like you lose this frenetic because we're spending so much of our lives trying to run from the one thing that you actually can't run from at all. It's the only thing that's guaranteed. And then we think about why we have so many mental health problems and why we have so many challenges. If we, I feel like if we literally just shifted this one thing, everything actually what do you think would happen if we shifted this one thing if we actually weren't afraid of dying i'm wondering that as you're speaking i'm curious what would happen i don't i don't know i think that's not something i've, I've really thought about before i do know from 
a pressure to change your body standpoint that that would dissolve away. I think probably a lot of the things we neurotically focus on would start to shift and free up a lot of mental energy to be more present or be in connection with people. But I don't know. Let's do a social experiment. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know either. And it's tough because you know, that the word death has so much attached to it, right? Like there's your own death and then there's the death of your family members. And then there's like death that you might observe in crisis and world events. And like, so there's like, it's such a charged idea to change your relationship to death. Um, so I don't know what would happen at a collective level, but at a spiritual level, all I can see is every single thing I've been so afraid of losing or every single time I've been so afraid of letting go or every single time I've been so afraid of just falling back into the abyss. All I experience is bliss. Wow. So like, That's pretty right. I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, it's everybody has a different relationship, but it's getting, I mean, the Tibetan Buddhists, like the most beautiful thing I learned about them. I lived with this Buddhist monk, um, a few months ago when I was in Asheville since Airbnb it was random to it. I did not mean to live with him. He was just like, I found this beautiful house and he happened to be a Buddhist monk. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. So we started talking and there was one evening where he was talking about how the Buddhists had this form of meditation, Tibetan Buddhists, where they would actually be preparing themselves for the day that they died because they actually believed that at that moment when you're ready to let go with the right training you could actually experience nirvana and so they would spend their entire lives preparing for the moment of death whoa i got chills isn't that crazy and we spent our entire lives trying to avoid right death. so it's this framing of like, I mean, I don't know what the right answer is, but it seems like just exploring the relationship can be one of the greatest things for health. And I think that's coming back to this conversation. Like just, I mean, what has been your relationship with um, kind of letting go of control? Um, what's been like, were you always, it sounds like even bulimia is like, it's a very control-based like disorder in some ways, right? So like, how did you begin to shift your relationship to control? And did you intuitively know that that's what needed to happen? I knew it was a piece. Yeah. Because I observed that the more I tried to control, the more out of control I got. So clearly it wasn't working because every time I tried to control or restrict what I was eating, I would end up binging to the point of being sick and then throwing it all up. So like, okay, this clearly is flawed. And that's when, for me again, relying on a higher power, it's sort of this point of, I clearly don't know what to do. So I have to release this control to something greater than myself to hold me, to support me, to guide me. And I, for a very long time, was trying to do the healing all on my own. I was trying to control who knew about it, No one in my family knew, none of my friends knew. It was a secret that I kept very hidden from anybody out of shame. And I had to release that, that need to control my image because the fear of how others were going to perceive me 
or a risk that it would change how they viewed me was so terrifying to my ego that I did everything in my power to control that not happening. Mm. So there were many ways that I had to release control and face the fears of what would happen. And those fears can be varied. The fear of losing love, you know, the fear of on a very ego level gaining weight, which for people with eating issues, you know, that is a very real fear, but that also goes hand in hand with being judged. And so it kind of all stems back to at the root, like trying to control everything in your power to feel good enough to be loved and accepted. Mm. And when you started, so so was it, was the process of healing really beginning to look at all these parts of you and to show the ego a different way to, to, soften into it like what was the journey like i mean i know that you mentioned tapping was one of the tools that kind of started your journey i'm curious if you'd want to share a little more about that tapping did really support me because it revealed to me one of the things that was really at the root was unprocessed emotional pain that i had been without even being aware of it suppressing so many emotions over my life And there was this accumulation effect where you sort of reach this breaking point where your body, Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body, but when it's at full capacity, you're just not able to hold anymore, but it's out of conscious awareness. So my brain was reverting to binging and purging as a way to actually try and self-soothe and self-regulate. And even though in my mind it was about food and body, on a deeper level, it was actually about emotional pain and trying to numb and avoid feeling anything. And food gave me that hit of pleasure and that hit of joy and the sense of comfort and safety that wasn't present in my life. And so with tapping, which by the way, if anybody doesn't know, know, you're tapping on acupressure points with your finger, on your face and your body, while you're focusing on what you're thinking and feeling and experiencing with the intention of moving that emotional energy fully through your system and releasing it. And the first time I saw it, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing. My skepticism was so high and I thought it just looks so silly to be tapping on your body and speaking. Like, how is that going to help me? And then, you know, I surrender to the process. And the next thing I know, I'm like full blown crying and all my anxiety is gone. And my desire to binge was like suddenly miraculously not there. And it was like every time I let myself feel my feelings instead of feed my feelings, I found Ooh. that on the other side of it, I felt better. And it was truly feeling better because the, the binging never actually resolved the underlying issue and in fact made me feel worse. Totally. So tapping gave me a tool where there was something that I could actually do in the moment when I wanted to eat to feel better that allowed me to truly go into the emotions underlying it. So it was a huge gift for Were me. you good at, I love feel your feelings versus feed your feelings. That's awesome. I love that. Um, were you always good at feeling your feelings? Um, and can you speak to the process you went through to get good at it? I was not, I was not in touch with my feelings at all. Yeah. I was so disconnected from my emotional body and I had grown up really learning to be happy. Like I learned to be happy to survive and to be liked. So I shut off any emotion that wasn't can you des- positive. Can you describe what it means to be disconnected from your emotions? Because I, I feel like I hear that a lot. And I'm like putting myself in the shoes of somebody who might be listening who 
is disconnected from their emotions, but it's kind of like, like, how do I even know? I mean, I'm happy. I, I get angry. I yell at the person who pisses me off at the grocery store. I, you know, it's like, how does one even know that they're disconnected and what does disconnection feel like versus a deep connected emotional body? From my experience, and I can only speak to my experience, it was the experience of not being angry. Oh, I don't get angry. I'm, I'm not an angry person. And I never really got angry. I didn't get mad at people. I also never really got sad. I never really cried. I just was very numb. So there was limited range in my emotional experience. And I would cry when it was socially appropriate. If somebody died, oh, now it's appropriate to cry. So I'll cry in situations where I know it's okay. But majority of the time, because I just didn't think it was allowed or okay, I, I never even went there. And over time, you shut off those pathways. So it's not a conscious decision not to feel something. Just it stops arising because I wasn't even meeting it with compassion or allowing that energy to move through me so it starts to get stuffed and stuck (laughs) and you start to feel numb and and i think most people if they're finding that they're addicted to a substance in some way alcohol cigarettes weed food gambling we can pretty much guarantee that you have disconnected yourself to some degree from what's going on inside or it's so uncomfortable like you know and when you remove when you remove the coping like just sitting in it I mean I remembered you know four or five years ago I was drinking a lot um and when I wasn't drinking and I tried meditate there's no way I could sit for more than five minutes in fact I would like get really mad at myself because I'm like I'm so bad at meditating but my mind was so racy I'd have so much anxiety I was so fidgety it's like the coping was the way to calm it down, but not make it go away, right? Absolutely. We are, we're doing everything in our power to avoid having to feel the pain and the discomfort. And for me, the healing was a path of getting comfortable with the discomfort. There you go. And realizing that the bigger my eating episode or the more severe I was struggling with my mental and physical addiction to food, the bigger and deeper the emotional wound was that was needing to be felt. So I would do everything in my power to avoid it, even if it made me sick to my stomach, because that's how uncomfortable, or at least my perception of how uncomfortable it was going to be to feel something. A lot of people really think that if they go into the pain, if they go into the fear or the anger, it's going to take them down or they're not going to be able to get out of it or, you know, it'll never end. So sometimes our mind creates a story that it's worse than it actually is. And what I found through tapping in a lot of my healing work was not only was it not that bad, but it actually felt so much better Cathartic. on the other side. Yes. That's why it's yeah. healing. You're like, ah, oh, I needed that. And yeah. then I learned to love. I was like, I can't wait now to cry. Like I can't, I'm so mad and I need to go rage and I can't wait to express this because I knew how good it felt. So that was a really good indicator that healing was starting to happen. Mm, When you started to enjoy the prospect of feeling. Exactly. One of the best things anybody's ever said to me is that healing is not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. Mm, Yeah. 
And that's really it. It's like, now I know how to feel my feelings. And actually what I discovered day to day is that I feel more in a week, you know, anger, sadness, fear, but I move through it quickly because I'm allowing it and I'm in, you know, in touch with these emotions. So I think people have this misperception or this expectation that once they start healing, they're going to reach a place where they feel better and they're never going to feel bad again. And that's so wrong. It's actually, no, you're just riding the waves way more skilled. Yeah, you're buying the whole curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the Joseph Campbell quote, um, bliss is every feeling fully felt. Yeah, and that's always come back to me. It's, uh, there's a, when I was sitting in my Vipassana, I remembered uh, one of the discourses that Osho, it was, a, it was an Osho focused discourse he talked about this notion of action and activity and the difference between both and most people are taking doing a lot of activities to reach a state of bliss and relaxation and inner peace but you can't actually get to a state of inner peace with the same consciousness that created the noise and so if you keep trying to run from anger keep trying to run from any level of being okay with what is you're never going to actually rise above it and it's been a an anchoring point for me because I think in my life I feel like I've spent a lot of my life trying to run from feeling certain feelings um whether it's and it's been mostly in the realms of like failure and being seen failing and being seen as not good enough or you know, as a bad human or somebody who makes mistakes or somebody who lets people down and all these shame-based sort of stories. Like, But there's something really beautiful when you love yourself enough or you get to a state of self-love where you allow yourself to go there. And that becomes the war cry, like the internal war cry, where you give yourself that 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 moment of wow I love myself so much that I'm going to allow myself to go there and then the bliss on the other side is liberation it's true liberation it's not even freedom there's a whole nother frequency and I think that's what you've been alluding to which is this this deep state of emotional release that actually recalibrates all of your behaviors all of the coping it's like it's a kill shot to the root just to feel the depths of what's here to be felt and not to shift and change yeah it's how amazing. did you get yourself to a place of loving yourself enough to be able to then support yourself in that way it came through relationships for me um in the beginning it was I had a lot of people-pleasing tendencies, and I was really afraid of rocking the boat with other people, and I had a really hard time setting boundaries and naming my needs, and it was really hard for me. And over time, it became with those micro moments of like letting myself be seen for whatever my request was, even if it was going to piss the other person off or if it was going radically against what we had agreed upon and giving myself the permission to be messy that was the healing because the more I like it was like a signal to myself oh no Raj your needs matter like your needs matter more than the other person's needs 
and that was really hard for me because I wasn't raised on that. I was raised on take care of everyone else. You know, your needs are less important if somebody else, especially someone you love, someone you care about. And there are all these beliefs and stories. And so the journey was like getting out of that frame and actually choosing me and really choosing me and calibrating that as like the baseline. It took a while. It took a long time, actually. A lot of micro decisions had to be made to get to a place of true, lasting self-love. Otherwise, it would be like moments. But all those moments matter because they all build up the meter and eventually you see how far you've come versus where you were and you're like, fuck, I'm growing. And it's like, it just gets better. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the self-love piece is really a key piece for the healing. You know, it's it's like a key piece for everything. The emotional work is a kill shot, but self-love. Well, it's like all these things we do add to the love. And I think that's what everything is about, like healing, truth, everything, love. It's like all the same thing. Every decision you make to choose yourself is self-love. And like self-love, I've always been like dancing with like it's the intersection between I'm so enough and I can be so much better. You know? Yeah, I do. It's I like know that somewhere dance. in the middle where, and nobody knows what it actually is. It, it, it's yours. It's yours to define, but it's like somewhere in there is your own discernment and choice. And depending on where you are, there's it's either courage or courage, both sides. What made you want to become a therapist? My healing. I indirectly attempted to heal myself by going back to school to be a therapist. Got it. Yeah. So when I was not seeking help because I didn't want anyone to know I was struggling, but I wanted to heal and I wanted to help others heal, I thought I'll go back to school and learn how to become a therapist. And in doing that, I'll learn how to heal myself and then I'll be able to help others. So while I was going through grad school, and while I was going through my practicum training, I was still secretly struggling, not as severely, but like I was not in full recovery of my eating disorder. And I actually am really grateful that it happened that way because that was showing me some of the flaws we could say in the medical model where the way that we approach treating mental health issues, especially eating disorders, but in general, I think across the board, focuses a lot on certain aspects of healing, especially the mind. But at least in my training, we really didn't learn a lot around emotional healing and energy healing or the soul or yeah. true trauma and regulating the nervous system. And so I graduated still struggling and noticing how much clients and people I were supporting were struggling. And that really revealed to me like, okay, I'm missing something here. Like I'm trained to be a therapist. I have the license, I have the degree. And I know firsthand that I'm applying everything I've learned. I'm still struggling. So are they. So what am I missing? So that set me off on kind of phase two of my journey for healing and self-discovery, which really led me to more alternative healing modalities like tapping, like breath work, like plant medicine and Reiki and all these energy healing modalities that 
were an essential piece that was missing from the more traditional approach. And now you're like on phase three. What's phase three? It almost feels like that. Like you're sharing, like you're about to go on this pilgrimage to India. You're tapping into deeper spiritual gifts. Like, which I think is really cool because it's like there's levels to awareness. And can you speak to the transition from almost like somatic awareness to like this next layer of spiritual awareness that I feel like you've been kind of dancing with? Yeah. And I am still in that transition. Right, so which is why it's juicy and fun to talk it about. It is. <laughs> I've been working really hard on stabilizing a level of awareness and consciousness that allows me to see so much more beyond the ego and even beyond the emotions. It's like when you can connect to your truth, true nature, to your soul, to the divinity within you, it's from that place, anything that arises, anything that you face seems so easy to navigate because you know that that's not actually, you're not fusing with it, I guess you could say. It's not something that you get wrapped up in the drama of your mind or the drama of your body and your emotions. So it gives you almost an advantage in terms of how you're able to navigate just the messiness of being a human without being so stuck in the suffering piece. It's like, oh, I actually am finding joy in the hardship. There's even like a delight that can come from the pain when you're connected in my experience to this greater consciousness and awareness. Yeah, and I feel like that's the full game is to just stay connected. It is, and from that place I'm finding then there's nothing that needs to heal. No, it's it's like it truly is like either stay connected or remember whatever word you want to use. It's like when you just tap back into that level of awareness and feel or that field, it's like you can just make sense of everything. Like there's just a true, I want to say letting go. I don't know what the word is. There's so many words that you can use, but it does feel like just this letting go of the mind or a level of mind to really just connect to a level of being. Yes. And there's a difference between knowing and then the experience of it. Because, mm. you know, I, I had read all the books. It's like I knew conceptually these concepts that there's nothing that needs to heal and you are whole and complete and you're not broken and all these concepts that are true, but when you're accessing it from the mind, it's very different from when you're actually experiencing it as a soul or with your consciousness and, and existing in that space. Yeah, you can't really describe it. Right. I felt that way after I got back from my Vipassana. I was like, it was really hard for me to actually describe what I experienced mm -hmm. because words were limiting. They just are. Because it's beyond the mental field. It's, it's, it's a language. It's a frequency. It's a, again, I'm trying. You can't. It doesn't matter. But what's fun is when you're in that field with other people, you don't need words. No. Because you're, you're in it's, the energy. It's, you're in the energy yeah. and you're communicating. Exactly. And it's like, it's so nice and yummy not to have to communicate through the mediums of the mind. And I've been wanting more. I mean, how are you uh, cultivating a deeper level of sensitivity to those languages? Through meditation practices, awakening practices, through a lot of connection 
I mean, I went through the Luminous Awareness program, which is a two-year program and Path for Awakening. And that really taught me and gave me the foundation for tools and skills. And it was a container to really deepen and play in these fields. So that was a huge benefit for me in terms of accessing and learning how to kind of get there. And once you glimpse it, it's like you're just working on repetition. It's small glimpses and small practices that help you start to build the muscle so that you can sort of stabilize and live from that place. <laughs> so good. I'm like, just like, like you're, the way you answer questions is the sweetest thing. It's like, it just like, you have this big smile on your face and we're not recording this right now with the, with the video camera, but like, I'm like looking at your face and you have this big radiant smile on when you're describing all of this. And I know that that level of internal radiance is only possible when you commit to doing this type of work. So I just really want to like see you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, Appreciate that. It's, uh, it's fun to have these types of conversations with, and that's what I'm so like, I mean, when you were sharing, you know, you're a licensed therapist, I think, you know, we need more licensed therapists like yourself that are doing your own work and really waking up. Um, you know, I just, I think, uh, it's so important for the healers to be doing their own healing. You know, I see it all the time. Uh, just either, and I think there's a, a movement of that happening. Uh, there is a big movement of it happening, which is really special. And I have, it gives me a lot of hope. Um, same thing, I feel like if politicians were waking up, things would be better. If CEOs are waking up, their companies are going to be better. But when we all start doing our own work, it, it really does allow us to be a ripple in the world. And so I just really want to honor you for being a ripple. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as a healer, I can only take people as deep and as far and as wide as I've gone myself. So, which is so special because you have a program as well. You have a, a self-guided program. Can you speak to that and share a little bit about the process that you empower people to go through? Yeah, it's called Inner Work for Eating Issues. So it's a compilation of a decade's worth of professional and personal experiences, all put into one place that help people who are struggling with any form of food and eating issues to begin to learn how to address their physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and soul bodies and mm. what's really at the root underneath their issues because it's not actually about food as this conversation has illuminated. And it gives people both the information and tools to begin to explore within themselves the shadow parts and, and their emotional body and learn about their soul and learn tapping for the first time and support their mind, body, and soul and beginning to really nourish it on all levels. Mm. Mm. Sarah, you're delightful. Thank you for My pleasure. bringing your heart and your love <laughs> Always. and your enthusiasm to this conversation. We'll make all of those links available in the show notes for anybody who is feverishly writing down notes or trying to find links. Um, Sorry, I have one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? But more importantly, what is one thing you consistently do to just become a more grounded human being? I connect with earth. Mm. 
lay on earth, walk on earth, sing to earth, but mm. I go in nature. I go to the ground and that is the easiest way. That Specifically I the grounded. ground? Specifically the ground. Interesting. Yes. Like not, not the ocean, not like, no? Earth. Really? Earth. Talk to yes. me about that. It's just this dense, I mean, the frequency of soil of earth is so dense and my body, I tend to be very ethereal. I can really go up into the, the heaven realms easily, mm. but it's hard for me to ground physically on earth. So water is a little bit too, there's too much movement there for me to, to find the, the stability that I actually need to access for my system to feel grounded. So I find that earth as dense as possible, feet on the mud. Ugh. Wow. Yeah, lay my whole body back and just wow. rest and, and like feel myself sink into it, you know, let my energy just kind of start to be swallowed by the earth. Really helps me feel an embodiment of groundedness. All right. You're making me want to roll around and do a little dust devil out there. Yeah, I think we should. So everybody should. We, oh I prescribe this to people, and you, not everybody. Dust listens. devils. You prescribe dust devils? Not dust devils. Come but, on. But but that going... feels like the right thing to do. Okay. Well, it's... maybe I'll add that. But good. Bonus module in your course. <laughs> I'm gonna go record it after this. We'll add it. You guys will get the bonus. <laughs> a little dust devil addition <laughs> yeah. to the self-guided. What was yeah. the course called? Inner work for eating issues. Inner work for eating issues. Okay. Well, sorry. Thanks again for being. My pleasure. Thank you. Everybody, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Sara. And from us, stay grounded. Watch out soon. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Stay Grounded. No matter where you're from or what you're going through, I hope it helps you remember just how incredible you are and have always been. If you're on a path of emotional healing or self-discovery and would like to learn how Liberate can support your journey, head to www.rajana.com forward slash Liberate. That is L-I-B-E-R-8 to learn more about our current group programs and one-on-one offerings. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.